It's episode 97 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Ean. Today on the program is Olga Stella. She's the executive director of Design Core Detroit, and we're going to talk about the role of design in the life of cities. Olga, thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, I'm glad. Um, you know what? We have a, we have something in common here in that I spent a number of years, quite a while ago, in Michigan when I was younger. Uh, I went to college in Grand Rapids. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, Michigan is a wonderful state, and it's been my my home my whole life. So I'm uh, always happy when I talk to people who have connections here. I, I have very fond memories of Western Michigan, uh, where I spent most of my time, but also like pretty regular weekend trips over to Detroit, going to Creek Town and, uh, and things like that. Yeah. Plus, we could, you know, jump over the border to Canada where the drinking age was 19. So that we were even <laughs> know, more we, motivated. We've missed that during the pandemic. Just the, we live, um, my family and I live just, um, three minutes from the Detroit-Windsor border. And, um, you know, sometimes we'd spend just as much time in Windsor on a weekend as we would uh, in downtown. So that's a lovely city as well. Um, I was back in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan last fall, back in the era of travel. Uh, I went there for the uh, Midwest User Experience Conference. I I gave a talk there. It was just wonderful. Like I went back and like hung out with my college roommate and just saw a bunch of friends. And it's just a wonderful city. It's a great state too. So yeah. I, had, I had a really good time. Um, now, I, I'm super interested in what you're doing. You know, most of the guests that we have on this podcast typically focus on kind of digital products and mm-hmm. software and services, connected hardware and things like that. Um, and so I'm especially happy to have here to, you to talk about uh, design on, I think, a very different scale and a different scope, uh, probably with a lot of the same sort of uh, philosophies and, ba- and background thinking around it, but just this this notion of design as a motivating force in the life of cities. And I would love mm-hmm. to hear at kind of at the highest level, like your role, your organization, uh, how you came to this, if you could give us a little of that background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm the executive director of Design Core Detroit, and I, I recently uh, also have a dual role at the College for Creative Studies as a vice president for strategy and communications, um, which is a a, a new opportunity, but we've been part of the college now for 10 years. And Design Core is a um, an economic development entity. Its mission is to position Detroit as a global source of creative talent. And we steward Detroit's UNESCO City of Design designation. It's the only um, city in the United States with a designation. And I came to the organization about five years ago right at the moment that it received the UNESCO designation um, after spending 15 years um, in the public sector, in politics and in city government. Um, I was um, uh, had various roles in the city's economic development agency. And a major reason why um, I came to Design Corps and continue to be excited about kind of the opportunities um, at Design Corps and at the college is that one of the things that really distinguishes Detroit from other places in the country that most people don't know is, um, you know, our concentration of industrial and commercial design talent mm-hmm. with the highest concentrated place in the whole country, 16 times more concentrated than any other metropolitan area. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of talent here, both in terms of design and engineering. Um, and that talent just, it, it is, it's under the radar, and huh. Design Corps was founded in a, in a way to help lift that up um, and to help people see it more. And um, it was really just a, a great opportunity, I think, for me personally, to um, as someone who's always loved art and design and really um, 
has thought a lot about kind of what it's going to take for, um, you know, the, the Detroit revitalization, you know, in air quotes, um, you know, talent is part of what drives it and design is really at the heart of, of creative problem solving. And, um, so it just felt like the right next step for me. And it's been a wonderful uh, pleasure these last five years to, to work with a really talented team of people, um, to start to, to make it happen. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of questions about many of the things you said there, but that number of 16 times more, uh, design talent. Yeah. Yeah. Like what are the, what's the precedent for that? Like, what is it historic or is it? Yeah. It's the auto industry manufacturing, you know, it really is. And, but it's, it's bled over into every other, um, industry, whether it's healthcare or technology, you know, growing, uh, tech presence uh, with, with, um, there's been a lot of investment over the last 10 years to try to bring new you know, venture firms into the city to, to start new accelerators, been a number of partnerships. And so, um, but it's really rooted in that manufacturing, uh, legacy of Detroit. And it goes all the way back, um, a hundred years, you know, to, um, to Cranbrook, to, um, mid-century modern, the Saarinen's, being here, you know, Alexander Gerard, um, Yamasaki, who, you know, designed the original, um, uh, twin towers, um, mm-hmm. had his design from here in Detroit. So it spans all of the, um, disciplines, whether it's architecture, you know, to, um, industrial design, product design. Um, and, and it's definitely part of the city's legacy. It's just, it's just been, you know, kind of hidden from view in a lot of places. And I think that's often the nature, you know, of, like they say, um, you know, Detroit is a city. There's a famous Elmer Leonard quote about Detroit that, you know, some cities get by on their good looks and, um, you know, Detroit has to work for a living or other cities have to work for a living. <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. And I think that's, that's kind of, that says a lot. This is a lot about the design industry in Detroit. Um, it's not flashy. It's not kind of, um, you know, big wow factor. It's about, um, it's about craft. It's about how things work. It's about people working with their hands in many ways, even in the tech space. And so, um, it just, it's, uh, um, it's just really kind of woven into that legacy of the city. Yeah. That's really interesting. You know, it reminds me again of the time I spent in Grand Rapids, which has a uh, extensive history in yeah, furniture design. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Herman Miller and Steelcase both headquartered uh, uh, in that area. Um, and I remember, yeah, exactly. Um, and just seeing so much of, you know, like Eames reproduction and all of that kind of stuff happening, um, there, there's a, you're right. There is an awful lot going on in Michigan and people don't realize the, um, the Henry Ford museum in Greenfield village. I mean, it's, they, they talk about being a museum of innovation, but when you walk through the museum and you look at everything they have, there a lot of it is about design, and it's not just um, uh, product design and the kind of the uh, sense of the artifact, but it's really about um, design and how it's shaped both social forces and economic forces. Um, and it's it's really it is really much a very very big part of the culture. And so um, you know we we love it when people come and can start to discover it for themselves. Let's go. Let's talk about that talent um, uh, some more. A big part of what you're doing must be trying to draw younger people to the area to study and start their careers and things like that. And I know you're at the the College for Creative Studies because it, it, it doesn't seem like come here and, and work for Ford is probably where a lot of people, a lot of kids' heads are right now, right? 
Yeah. So what we, I mean, uh, so there's a, a couple of things. I mean, our first, um, my, uh, philosophy is, uh, less about attraction and more about retention and cultivation of kind of exist your existing assets. And, um, and I think especially with our talent pool, there's um, a lot of local talent that's already here in the community, and it just needs um, a leg up. You know, it needs it needs support. Um, it um, it is doing great, th- you know, doing great things, but it needs to be seen. And so, um, you know, when we think about the freelancers and the small businesses that are already here, um, a lot of what we do as Design Corps is about helping to support them in their growth and um, helping them um, both think through you know, how to overcome some of the challenges they're facing, um, advocating for them on a policy level when it comes to access to capital or to real estate that can better support their needs, um, you know, that kind of thing. And and then, of course, you know, helping them um, to be recognized through some of our promotional activities like the design festival that we put on and so on. At the college, you know, a lot of the, the college's um, students come from all over the world, um, but a, a large number of them do come from the, the surrounding region, from Michigan. And um, again, you know, there's just um, such a legacy of, of design um, here in our in our state, you know, whether it's the west side or the east side, that, you know, our kind of first focus is like, we, we want to make sure that every single one of uh, everyone who's, who's in the city or nearby, you know, kind of has access to these resources, has access to these opportunities. And um, especially in, um, in our city, you know, the demographics of our city, really reflect the changing demographics of the United States. And, um, but the design industry doesn't reflect those demographics. And so, um, there's been a lot of focus, you know, and recently at the college, but, um, through the UNESCO designation, um, on how we develop a more diverse talent, um, pipeline, not just for CCS, but really for all of the design institutions, um, in, in our region. And so, um, so that's really been our focus is about, you know, how do we lift up and support people who are doing really great work who may not have, um, you know, a lot of fancy degrees, um, but they, but they have, they're, they're innovative, they're, um, you know, smart and they just need a little bit of support. Mm, yeah, that's great. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back. All right. So this episode of Presentable is brought to you by our friends at Pingdom from SolarWinds. Uh, do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart or registration forms or a contact us page? Look, if you answered yes to any of those questions and you totally need Pingdom, nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad user experience uh, and could mean a lot of lost business for you. Good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring alerts you when your cart checkout or forms or login pages or any of that stuff fail. Uh, and, and they'll alert you before they affect your customers and, and your business. So Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted, who is alerted. Uh, and it, and and all of that can depend on the severity of the outage. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you should be the one to know first. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card whatsoever. When you sign up, Use the code PRESENTABLE at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. That's huge. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. 
So uh, right before we took a break, you mentioned demographics and the diversity in the industry. Do you have a sense that the diversity of the design industry in general is different from the talent that you're seeing in Detroit? And and is that a lot of the motivation for, for some of the work you're doing here? Oh yeah, absolutely. The um, you know I think it's well documented whether it's through AIGA or mm. the American Institute of Architects and their work. Um, you know that there's a very small percentage of of people of color in design, you know, um, in one of the shocking, you know, kind of statistics from the, the American Institute of Architects is that only, um, uh, less, there's only 400, uh, registered licensed female black architects in the United States of America out of a hundred and thousand licensed wow. architects. 400. So 400, right. Oh and God. AIGA has similar statistics. So something like 5% oh. of AIGA's, uh, members are, people of color. So, um, so there's, so you definitely see it and you definitely see it in kind of the ranks of, of design firms. And, and, and so in our, you know, our city, our demographics are dramatically different. You know, we're 85% African-American. Um, there's a a strong, uh, Latinx population as well. And, um, we're home, our region is home to the largest, um, a number of people of Middle Eastern um, and Arab descent in the United States. So it's an extremely diverse community here. And then, you know, when you and I started talking, uh, we're on an international border. You can literally see Windsor um, from Detroit, right? It's mm-hmm. less than a mile away across the river. And it's a very porous, it was a very porous border before the pandemic. So um, there is a lot of uh, very diverse talent here. And, um, and there's a lot of or, organizations and people, both at the grassroots level and in the academic institutions, who are looking at ways um, to to um, connect, you know, connect um, our youth to these careers in in um, in design. And and I think there's there's the creativity and the promise of the youth of Detroit is just such an inspiration to me that um, you know I think there's there's just a lot of opportunity there. Hmm, that's interesting. Like, I'm certainly at a part, a, a point in my career where I'm thinking kind of generationally, and mm-hmm. and not just who will kind of be next. They're already here, but but uh, but what does it look like, you know, in twenty, thirty years time? Uh, right. And so, you know, how do we? Uh, how do we how do we do that when you say youth when we're talking about you know kids that are just into high school or even younger to help them envision uh, a a career in, in the kind of stuff that we do? I think some of it is showing the people who have or have already made it. You know, um, you know, Jason Maiden is an example of um, you know a shoe designer educated at CCS and has done gone off and done wonderful things and his just story of inspiration. You know, back to um, to youth as a way of real, a point of connection. And, um, and I think, you know, I think it's not just the youth of Detroit who don't recognize, but I think a lot of just adults don't, don't understand how design impacts, you know, really every, every single choice that we make in our life, whether (laughs) it's, you know, how we use our phone to the places, you know, how we live, um, to how we move around our cities, um, you know, to the systems that, um, you know, provide services, every single part of our life is, is, um, you know, influenced by design, especially now with, you think about all the, the time we're spending, you know, watching Netflix or, um, playing video games, (laughs) designers at all levels are involved in those things. Um, and so we, we need to make it as explicit as possible for young people that these are opportunities that are accessible to them. 
Um, and then, you know, I think especially in Detroit, which has seen a lot of economic hardship, um, our, you know, our kids have lost um, access to um, art and design educational opportunities in school. And so there's a ton of programs, I mean, th- that are that are reaching deep into schools, whether there's a program at CCS called um, Community Arts Partnership, but there's a ton of living arts, you know, there's a ton of, of organizations in Detroit. One of my favorites is the Brightmore uh, makerspace the, and woodworkers. And they um, they worked with neighborhood kids and they developed a water cycle. Um, the inspiration was the Flint water crisis and the water shutoffs that are happening in Detroit. Right. And the kids in the Brightmore neighborhood designed a uh, essentially like a, a bicycle that could help filter water to create clean water and to respond to that. And these are these are not kids who have any formal you know, extensive training and design, but you give them some, some tools, some basic knowledge and support them and they can innovate great ideas. And that water cycle has been since taken to Africa, um, and really supported. And so that's a big part. We have to expose, give kids the opportunity to vent their creative energy, to develop some skills and to realize that, um, careers in, um, design are accessible to them you know, and and then make them accessible right through scholarships and so on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's also, I think you're right. Showing them people who do it is, is vital, um, which is good motivation for all of us who are practicing design to kind of give back a little bit. I like that. Yeah. And we would welcome anyone who wants to come to Detroit and, and connect with kids. You know, we, we would love to help be a conduit because we have dozens of community partners who are in that space. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You also mentioned supporting like the smaller businesses and freelancers in the area. Yeah. And I can only imagine the struggle that so many uh, small uh, studios or independent designers must be going through, uh, especially over the last six, nine months uh, with mm-hmm. everything that's been happening. Um, you know, we hear lots about, you know, the difference between main street and wall street and the mom and pop shops. And we have to like, you know, we're going to inject federal money to support them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like the first thing that pops to mind is not, uh, you know, designers, uh, that are freelancing or, or in small shops. I mean, what's it like? What do you, and, and what, what is uh design Corps been doing around that? Yeah. Well, one of the, the main things we've been doing is just trying to help more people see how designers can help them right now. You know, this, this, um, pandemic has really, um, you know, cr- created so much stress, you know, for main street and as, as small business owners are struggling to try to figure out, you know, how are they going to do online sales? How are they going to change their storefronts to accommodate, you know, um, drop off and pick up and, and, you know, change, you know, in some cases change their business models entirely, um, they don't have to do this by themselves and they can tap, but the, you know, this, this freelance and small business talent that's in our community who speaks their language, um, understands their struggle and can help them, you know, design those solutions. And so a lot of what we've been doing is trying to help get that message out by connecting to some of the larger city initiatives, um, that are there to support small business, like, uh, the Detroit means business initiative. Um, but also through our own IGTV and doing a series of, of videos and just short, you know, tips and tricks from designers, directed at small business owners about the kinds of things 
they can be doing or thinking about that can help them adapt to these times. And then we've been taking in a lot of requests um, from the business community to find design talent to help them. So we host a virtual design salon, um, which is just a, a fun way to, to say business matchmaking for someone who's looking for design help, doesn't exactly know what they need or what they want, um, can you know connect with our members. We have a membership network of over 115 businesses um, ranging from freelance to larger established companies and all disciplines of design. And um, we'll really help them connect to that talent so they can, you know, they, they can solve their problems because that's what our design community is here for is to help, you know, businesses and organizations solve the problems that they're facing uh, every day. Hmm, interesting. Now I, uh, I can certainly see that sort of matchmaking being super, super valuable. Um, I'm wondering also the role of design with kind of government initiatives that might not just be matchmaking, but, but even like des design is public work, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there is, um, I mean, it's been, it's been fun to work with our city's planning department on a number of different things. Um, and, and especially they've, um, over, you know, the recent years, the last, you know, six years or so really been reinvigorated, um, around the ways that they that they can use design in some of the city's larger planning and and development efforts, and so um, so we're there to really support you know and to provide them uh, connections to um, to the design community, but also to some of the best practices that might be happening in other places. Um, when it comes to the on the small business side, you know a lot of times we focus on. Um, it, it's it's kind of natural to focus on the obvious stuff like, you know, the the PPE that small businesses need mm. or the access to capital. But, you know, when we think about long-term sustainability, not just, you know, kind of short-term intervention, some of these businesses are going to have to think about entirely new business models. And so we, we've we been working with a company, um, a small restaurant uh, in the city called Folk, um, won one of our uh, refresh grants. We had a um, program that was funded through Bank of America this summer that helped support three small businesses in um, with fifty thousand dollars in in total grants for all three to really help adapt their their business. And Folk has completely rethought their business model, going from being um, you know just a traditional cafe where you came and you know you sat down, you ate your delicious food, and you left um, to thinking more about catering options to um, taking the inside of, the, of their tiny space and turning it more into a commissary um, and creating a walk-up window. And, you know, really just thinking about a whole new business model. And um, th that's what that's what designers can help do. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we continue to get these stories out um, through our networks and through just the examples of like, look, it can happen. Um, and, um, and we can help you know, hopefully help more and more businesses in our city start to, you know, start to make those changes and see it that it's possible for them as well. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Uh, um, that's really cool. I, you know, there's also what I've noticed uh, just happening here in London, in my own neighborhood, that the, that the very fabric of the city is undergoing change or, or, mm -hmm. or, or even more, maybe more accurately accelerating change that was starting to happen. So 
there's been a bunch of traffic calming in my neighborhood and throughout central London. Um, and, and I believe there is this sort of goal over the next, say, 20 years to, uh, to attempt to sort of eliminate private cars in central London, which makes a ton of sense, but it's mm -hmm. very, very difficult to do. But using the sort of reordering of society and everything that's happening right now in the pandemic as an opportunity to accelerate that and say, like, look, we need different use of public space because we need to do social distancing. So we're going to, you know, eliminate lanes of traffic to extend sidewalks and, you know, stuff like that, that makes cities more livable. And it's interesting because it's all that sort of, you know, urban design and, and infrastructure happening at a much faster pace than, uh, than had things, you know, remain normal. That's right. Yeah. I, I think we're finally, we're asking a lot of questions, right. As society about what matters and, what do we want to invest in and how we want, you know, is I think, I think maybe we finally also recognize that some of this isn't, there is, there is not necessarily a return to whatever was happening you know, back, oh. back before March, you know, right. um, that things are really changing. And we were seeing the same thing here in Detroit. We've talked a lot with some of the other UNESCO cities of design. There's over 40 of them worldwide. And um, many of us are kind of asking these questions around, you know, with winter coming, it's one thing, in the summer, you know, you can take over a street and be outside and tented and so on. But, um, but what are we going to do for, for winter and just learning from, you know, cities like Helsinki or Montreal mm. and thinking about, um, you know, maybe some of these, uh, changes are really changes that are, that are not just one for one season, but really about dramatically rethinking, you know, how the permeability of indoor and outdoor space and that, um, you know, for, for small businesses to survive in the future and for us to have livable communities, um, we really are going to have to use public space in a different way. Um, because it's, it's too much, you know, it's too much of a burden to put it back just on, on small business owners, um, just given, given the economic realities of small business, at least, at least in the United States. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And it's designers that'll figure it out. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Let's take another quick break. We'll be right back. And this episode of Presentable is also brought to you by our friends at SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast from Microsoft. Uh, look, we're always looking for a new show to listen to, a new podcast, a new uh, set of guests or things like that. Like, And if you are, uh, check out SyncUp uh, because it takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn how to connect files, share your documents, and work from anywhere. And you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too. Uh, each show covers a dedicated topic, guest interviews, new and announcements plus special topic outside of the technology norm, which is always interesting. Uh, so ju just so you have an idea of what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in uh, that were on previous episodes. They've talked about empowering Mac users, changing management and, adop and product adoption, customer success, the file sharing. Um, and this is super interesting, how to use a personal vault, which uh, I just thought was fascinating. This, this idea of being able to put stuff in a cloud service is incredibly secure and you know that it's totally encrypted and nobody can um, get access to your most private documents. So go and have a listen now. Just search for SyncUp, that's S-Y-N-C-U-P, wherever you get your podcasts or, or just click the link that's in the show notes for this episode. Go check it out. Uh, our thanks to SyncUp and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. 
Now, a couple of times uh, in our conversation so far, you've mentioned UNESCO and the City of Design. Yeah. Um, now, now that is the sort of, if if I understand, I uh, the the more sort of educational cultural arm of the United Nations, right? That's right. So tell me, like, what is the city of design and why is Detroit the only one in America to get it? And like, I'm curious about that. Yeah, that's often what people ask. So, um, so the Creative Cities Network is an initiative of UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, uh, Social and Cultural Organization. So it's like the art and culture arm of the United Nations. And, and their mission has really been about fostering peace and understanding, you know, through cultural understanding. Um, and the creative cities are um, a network of cities. There's, oh, I think almost 200 now um, across seven disciplines. So design is one of the disciplines, but there's um, film and gastronomy and literature and, and these others as well. And what the, the, the design cities do is they share best practices amongst themselves um, they're all we're all united in this idea that um, design can help uh, drive sustainability and equitable uh, development. And so we're all doing it in different ways. And um, Detroit applied in 2015. Um, it was a competitive process. Other U.S. cities also applied. And, you know, the, the, we often get asked, well, why Detroit? Well, one is the legacy of design that we've talked about. You know, the there's real design assets here, you know, whether they're cultural institutions, educational institutions, and longstanding business, like the know-how is here. This is not a passing fad in our community. And then the, so that's part one. And then part two is, well, what are we doing with it? And I think part of um, what the other UNESCO cities saw when they, when they were looking at the applications is Detroit is extremely unique because our des- design community, it's not um, like a top-down um, uh, you know, uh, movement. This is really a grassroots bottoms up initiative. And it's not, it's not driven by city government like it is in some other places. Um, and it's not necessarily driven by one single, you know, entity Hmm. design core. We call ourselves the steward of this designation because it really is about, the, the many, many ways that uh, small community organizations are using design, um, self-taught designers are working in community. Um, it's a different, it's also a different way of working. You know, we, there's a lot of discussion these days around inclusivity and, you know, um, you know, how you create more community engagement and more inclusive design. And part of what we recognized um, and that this network recognized is that this question of what do residents want? Well, we don't ask it every single time. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overstate, you know, how uh, you know much it permeates the culture, but it is very much part of the culture to at least ask the question: Should we ask residents? And how do we start to engage yeah. people who are not engaged? And I think you know, five years ago. Uh, when we applied, um, the other cities saw that as something that they wanted to learn more about. It's something that was unique. And so we got the designation and it's been, um, so it's just been such a joy over these last five years to really, um, dig deeper into that, to really, uh, double down. We've doubled down as a community, as a coalition of 60 organizations, um, on this practice of inclusive design and the Detroit way of doing it and trying to figure out how to, um, standardize it and really, um, create a little bit more, um, rigor around what we mean by it. And so that's, that's really, I think the next five years as we start to, um, 
you know, kind of help more people in the, both in the design world, but also just in the world start to understand, you know, what it, what it looks like, how, how, what it looks like to, to work in this Detroit way. Hmm. Yeah. And I imagine this, uh, this collection of other cities of design is an amazing resource for you as a, as a, a peer group or a resource. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. We, you know, Graz, Austria has done some wonderful things. We're learning Singapore, like we've learned so much from the other cities and it, it, it really is the kind of thing, um, where you you give a little and you get a lot back and everyone is so friendly and collaborative and doing such interesting things all around the world. Um, you know, it stretches from Cape Town and, um, you know, s- several cities in Brazil, um, you know, Mexico and, and Montreal and um, uh, North America, you know, to Asia and just this difference in, in, in cultures and there's just so much to learn. So it's been a really wonderful um, opportunity, not just for our team at Design Corps, but really for our whole community. We were able to host the um, uh, design uh, cities here in Detroit last year um, for Detroit Month of Design and um, to have, you know, over 20 representatives come from from other cities and to all spend three days together learning and talking and introducing them and, you know, to to the to others in our community who are doing these things um, was really just just wonderful for all of us. Hmm. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I'm curious now, uh, all of us are sort of peering into very cloudy crystal balls uh, right now. But how do you think about like the coming years and, um, and the opportunity in Detroit and, and opportunity for designers? You know, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic, you know, Detroit um, has seen, you know, its share of hard times, right. You know, when the, the other thing people say is when the, you know, the United States catches a cold, Detroit gets the flu. Um, and so we've, We've gone we've gone through those 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 times and there's a real resiliency um, to the people here that I think a lot of um, a lot of people you know underestimate. So I know that um, that we will kind of get through you know um, what's coming. I think what's what's exciting and what makes me um, you know feel optimistic is when we can continue we we're, we have all these small wins that are happening. Um, where you can really point to the tangible impact that designers are having, um, you know, in, in neighborhoods for small business, um, you know, in education, and you know, we're building on those, and 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 you know, those small, those little t- millions of little things are turning into big things, and I think uh, we just have to keep that momentum going so that more people can can see it, and I think more people from outside our region are starting to see it. We had a wonderful partnership with the Gucci Changemakers program um, this last Detroit Month of Design that really supported um, some some young um, uh, talent, mostly people of color, um, in, in doing some new work as part of Detroit Month of Design. They got wonderful national recognition, you know, in Vogue magazine and some other publications. And that's a kind of, you, know, you were starting to see more and more people looking at Detroit and looking at our talent base as a source of inspiration for them. And so we're just going to keep, we're going to keep building on that. We're going to keep telling a story of how designers can help, help support this adaptation that needs to happen, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get through this. And I think we'll get through this stronger in the end, because I think there's, um, 
with all of the um, campaign that has happened this year in our country and especially in our city, you know, we were hit so hard by the pandemic early on and then, of course, continue to, you know, suffer the same economic consequences a lot of other cities do. The um, the inequities of our systems have really been laid bare hmm. and the need for racial and social justice is really, you know, that drumbeat is louder and louder. And I think that's exactly where Detroit designers can play a role um, and play a really important role, not just in our community, but across the country. And, um, you know, we're, we're here to try to help lift them up in, in that. Oh, I love that sort of systemic redesign all the way through. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Uh, this is great stuff. Where can, uh, where can all the listeners here uh, find out more? Yeah, well, so they can visit our website at uh, designcore.org or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at designcore.det. Fantastic. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes as well as some of the other things that we mentioned earlier on. Uh, Olga, this is just a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Veen and this was Presentable. Presentable.